You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 13. We were at an uh, elder's time in Adelaide a couple weeks ago, and Ian McKellar from Singapore shared a vision that he had had of these buildings that were being destroyed, and then felt like someone, God told him, don't let the buildings be destroyed, just look at the foundation. And he went and looked at the foundation, and the cornerstone was missing. And he said, the problem isn't these buildings that have value. The problem isn't the building. The problem is that the cornerstone has been removed. Which he then went on to talk about banks and educational institutions and businesses that had been established with something of glory to God and the kingdom value, but that cornerstone of Jesus had been removed and that God's plan was not to destroy what they had become, but to replace the cornerstone. Matthew 13, 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Holy Spirit, open your word to us and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a puzzle piece here. Can you see this? Is it, if I put it against my shirt? <laughs> how many of you can tell me, how many of you think you could figure out what the picture looks like from one puzzle piece? Other than Sam. Where's Sam? Sam, you can't, because he got me the puzzle. <laughs> so you can't do that. Problem is you can't make a single piece become the whole puzzle. Right? But every single piece is important. So fortunately, when, they, when we get a puzzle, they give us a picture on the box. And every once in a while, when you look at the piece, you've got to look at the picture because this piece is kind of white and with some blue on it. It probably doesn't fit in the bottom there. It fits somewhere else. So you have to actually continually refer to the picture to know where the piece fits in. You gotta see the big picture. So you've got some great teachers, but I wanna kinda challenge your thinking with a returning to the big picture. Can we do that today? We'll get there eventually. Don't lose that one piece, yes. I did this at our church and I took one of Mary's puzzles and very, very picky about not losing the one piece. I want to ask you, what is Jesus' big picture or vision for his kingdom and his church? A lot of churches talk about vision. I want to ask you, what, do you know what Jesus' vision is? He's the, the head of the church, right? It's his church. 
You know, as we read the Bible, we realize that God chose to present the Bible as a story rather than a textbook. Too often we try and study it as if it were a textbook. But it's not. It's a story. And so sometimes you've got to read the whole thing. You've got to see the big picture. How many of you know that one Timothy, Paul's letter to Timothy, he didn't write it with six chapters. It didn't have verses. It was a letter. If you read it, you'll find it has three main subjects he, he deals with. This is an aside. <clears throat> but you, if you read it like a chapter a day, you cut the subjects up, and then you lose track of what, what the world is he, is he saying. If I sent you a letter, you wouldn't read it three lines a day. You'd read the whole letter. So sometimes we need to see the big picture. So what I want to do is kind of give you the big picture in picture form today. And uh, using both the old and the new. And then I'm going to apply it to us as a local church. Notice I say us. I get to be part of you. Is that okay? Good. So I've got a map of Exodus which is the, the story of, now I borrowed this from Ian McKellar with his permission. When Ian McKellar comes later in the year, if he pulls this out, just smile. <laughs> Tell him you already know this. But, but this is, you see something of a progression. You see as the Israelites, they were slaves in Egypt, number two, the, the Passover lamb, you know, if you've read the Bible, you know Passover, the blood was applied on the doorposts and the angel of death passed over so that the Israelites were not, the firstborn weren't killed. They then crossed the Red Sea. They went to Sinai where priesthood was defined. Uh, they then was testing in the wilderness. Eventually they crossed over the Jordan, entering God's rest. But it doesn't stop there. They were establishing a city, Zion, from where God's mission was to go into all the world. God's promise to Abraham was that in your descendants, all the nations of the world would be blessed. It was never about just Israel. It was about taking God's plan into all the world. You still with me? Okay. Let's look at the New Testament and apply it to this. Okay, the, the previous one was the gospel in advance. Pardon? You didn't realize it changed. Okay, this is a second map, for those of you who are paying attention. But, but the first map was the gospel in advance. It was actually preparing us for this. And we see coming that, that uh, we all have been slaves to sin. We come out of that slavery because of the blood of Jesus, the cross of Christ. Okay, similar to Passover, that, that sin is removed from us. But then it doesn't stop there. We then go and there's baptism. Once we're, we're set free from sin, there's baptism. There's a threefold baptism. There's baptism in water, which is dying to ourself and our own purposes. 
there is baptism in the Holy Spirit is once we've died to our purposes and lived to his, he then empowers us. And then there's the baptism where we're baptized in the body of Christ. That we're together with other people doing this God purpose thing wow. together. But then it doesn't stop there. It goes on and the whole thing is that we're a, a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood. All of us are ministers. Every single person is God's plan. We then go through applying the victory of the cross into our lives. We grow in maturity. The Bible calls it sanctification. Eventually, we enter God's rest, a place of, Hebrews talks about the rest of obedience. It's not a rest from doing anything. I, I'll find, I finally got in. Now I can just sit here and be a vegetable, a couch potato. No, it's a rest of obedience. We enter the place of walking in step with the Spirit to establish Zion, a base from which the gospel can go to all the nations. That's why we're praying this. That's why you prayed for us. That's why this church was originally established. The gospel going into all the nations, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You still with me? Well, each part is a wonderful story in itself. Together, they give us the whole story. The problem is, a lot of people stop. They think the whole story is simply about them getting out of slavery to sin because of Jesus. I get my sin removed, and then that's the end. It becomes all about me. If it's only about your personal salvation, you actually don't need to be baptized. But it's not. Sorry, I, I get excited, and so I preach. <laughs> it's about his purposes. We die to ourselves and we live to him. Good. We've come into this relationship. And so once that happens, we recognize, hey, we have to be baptized. We've got to die to ourselves. We've got to be filled with the power of the Spirit. We've got to be knit together with other believers so that we can accomplish his purposes. We come into a place of being a kingdom of priests. We come into a place of growing in maturity. All those are necessary to fulfill the whole purpose, but it's not if we reduce the purpose to just my salvation. I got saved. That's absolutely amazing. It's wonderful. It's the greatest story ever told, but it's only part of the big picture. It's one piece of the puzzle. Let me say this, salvation is the whole picture. The totality of salvation is that we do get saved and return in a relationship with God. But he then allows us to partner with him to bring the gospel to others to get saved. And then from there to actually change and impact nations in the world. We're part of a world-changing Movement of God. How many of you ever dreamt as a kid you wanted to be a superhero? <laughs> Save the world. Think about this. You are. You're part of a purpose to save the world. You've got superpowers. The Holy Spirit, who, who can do miracles, who can give you knowledge that you don't, don't have, who can give you wisdom how to do things. We're part of... A superhero movement. 
I don't know where that came from. I just threw that in. Okay, this is all introduction. I just wanted you to get the big picture. That you see that it's more, Jesus' vision for the church is more than just us. It's something bigger. So how does this apply to us? How does this apply to this local church? To the local church that Mary and I have the privilege of being part of in Launceston. How does it apply? Because we're part of that big picture. But we need to keep that big picture in mind. So I want to give you three aspects of how it applies this morning. And then I want to try and bring it down to how it actually applies to us individually. The first aspect of this bigger picture of what Jesus has for us is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. First thing, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world, preach the gospel. That's for every believer. If it's only about your salvation, then you don't have to, to worry about that. But it's not. There's something bigger. We have the privilege of sharing the gospel only coming back into relationship with God through Jesus as he removes our sin changes hearts. Only the gospel changes hearts. Too many people leave that out and then they want to say, how do we change the nation Let's pass laws, let's do something. But if you leave out the gospel, you're doing it with people whose hearts are self-centered and it doesn't work. It hasn't worked throughout history. So we need to get back to, we've got to preach the gospel. If we change enough hearts, we can change the nation. You guys know this because you're very good at this. Preaching the gospel everywhere possible with everyone possible. However we can, there's no right way, there's no wrong way. I love the, uh, if you read Mark chapter 4, end of chapter 3, he calls the disciples to be with him and to preach. That's what it says. He calls them to be with him and to preach. And then chapter 4, there's a couple of little side stories, but it actually goes into the parable of the sower. And you know what the purpose of the parable of the sower is? He says it right in the beginning. A sower sowed the seed. That's the whole purpose. It's not about what kind of soil you find. It's not about creating good soil. It's about just sow the doggone seed. (laughs) Don't worry about the soil. And then he goes on and he says, another parable of the kingdom, he says, sower sows the, the seed and it grows up in the night and he doesn't know how. Think about that. Holy Spirit's at work. We sow the seed and he causes it to be fruitful. Sorry, that's a whole other sermon, but uh, we've got to get back to sowing the seed. It doesn't have to be all of it. Some of us think, well, what if they ask me a question I don't have the answer to? I don't care. Jesus doesn't care. He just says sow the seed. And let the Holy Spirit do it. Maybe you get to pray for someone. That gal who shared earlier, you 
just get to pray for someone. Sowing a seed. You don't know what the Holy Spirit can do with a seed. He's so much greater than we understand him to be that we think, oh, we've got to do it. No, we just get to sow the seed. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. The second aspect, which we all know, besides preaching the gospel, is discipling and equipping believers. Basically, helping all of us live in the kingdom relationship with, Jesus, with the king and then with each other. 1 Thessalonians 1, seven. he's writing to the church of Thessalonica and he says that you're an example or a model to all in uh, Achaia. Being a, a model, as we disciple people, we become an example. You as a church are an example, not just to individual people, but to other churches. Exalting the king. We're examples of lifting Jesus up. We're examples of being fully word and fully spirit. We're examples of focusing on the king and his kingdom. We're examples of loving one another. Those things of discipleship, as the kingdom is worked out in our life, it's reflected in this body that he's added us to. And then we become examples what that means, though, then, is that we help not only examples to each other, but we help other churches as well. That's part of being apostolic prophetic. We're going to Indonesia tomorrow to help some churches put together an uh, equip time where we're equipping leaders. We're helping other churches. It's not just about us. It's about helping strengthen and equip other churches both here and in other nations. I was uh, informed while we were over in Adelaide that uh, the nation of Japan has 0.05% of the population are Christians. 125 million people, I did the math, 62,500 Christians in the whole nation. We have more than that in Melbourne. Yet it's on our doorstep. Jesus' big picture is that we get saved. We get filled with the Spirit. We get transformed. We become a model, not only to churches in our area, not only to people that we know, but to people who've never heard. But it also includes planting new churches. What kind of churches do we plant? Let me tell you, you need to plant Jesus churches, not Melbourne Lights churches. Jesus churches. We're filled, we're, we become uh, part of his body, we're, we become part of his DNA. It, it really angers me when I hear churches talking about their DNA. You don't got any DNA. If you know anything about biology, you see those stories about, you know, when a, a cell gets fertilized and then it multiplies. 
for some reason they say divide, but it's, it's actually not dividing because it becomes two complete cells. Division would mean that it becomes uh, half a cell or it wouldn't have all the, the factors, but the fact that it multiplies, it becomes two cells that can then multiply. It happens in, in human life, it happens in bacteria, it happens in everything. There is this multiplying effect let me tell you, Jesus' church was established 2,000 years ago. It's been multiplying ever since with his DNA. I don't know why I get excited about that. And that the third aspect that I want to just bounce off you, and the one that's been challenging me most in the last few weeks is impacting society with the values of the kingdom. Matthew 6, 10, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth. Your kingdom come on earth. I don't think we've yet grasped what that means. His purpose was not just a message but the actual presence of the king, the rulership of God being demonstrated on the earth. There's so much of the promise of the kingdom that hasn't yet been fulfilled. Justice and mercy that hasn't yet been fulfilled in society. There's something when Jesus said that we're to make disciples of all nations, he didn't say that only that we're to make disciples in all nations. Some of us have restricted that to preaching the gospel in all nations is good enough, and it is great, but it's not the big picture. The big picture is that God's actually changing societies. The kingdom is so different than the world. We've not yet seen what it means your kingdom come. Thing, thing is, you can't dress up the spirit of the world to make it look kingdom. Jesus talked about the spirit of mammon when it comes to money. And the principle behind that is Greed. It's selfish because people's hearts are selfish. It's self-centered. It's about how much can I get. It's simply greed. There are 10 times more scriptures about greed in the Bible than about homosexuality. Yet we tend to focus on this, and in our culture, we tend to ignore this. You can't dress it up and make it look kingdom. The prosperity gospel that says, come to Jesus and he will make you rich, is simply trying to dress up the spirit of mammon and greed and make it look slightly kingdom. And it doesn't work. How do we change how we do business? We put the cornerstone back. How do we change how we do education? We put the cornerstone back. Okay, enough of 
stepping on toes. What does it mean for me, for you personally? It means this, first, we're here for more than ourselves. We're here for the king and his kingdom, not just for us. It's not just about how I feel. It's about what he's doing to transform me so that I can be part of his glorious plan to impact the nations around us. The purpose that he has, the destiny that he has, is not just that I have a nice, comfortable life. It's willing to sacrifice. Second thing it means for this is that you need to settle in your heart that you're part of his plan if he's added you here. We're not all the same. We don't have the same gifts. We're different pieces. We're different pieces of the puzzle. We don't all look alike. We don't have to be like someone else. But if God's added you here, then you're a valuable piece. Mary was so uh, adamant that I not lose the piece because you ever done a puzzle and you get to the end and one piece is missing? Drives you crazy, but what happens when you look at the puzzle? All you see is the missing piece. You can say, my piece doesn't really matter. But that's a lie of the devil. Because in God's big picture, every piece matters. Everyone matters. Lastly, almost lastly, we need to settle in our heart that this is going to take all the resources that Jesus adds. Different gifts, different personalities. You can't say, well, I don't really like that person's gift. Jesus added them. They might be a different piece of the puzzle, but they're an important piece. So not only do you count, but everyone else counts too. And so there's got to be something in our heart that says, Lord, I'm part of what you're doing. And then lastly, let me ask you this. Are you all in for his purposes? Or have you subtly slipped to the place where you think he's here to bless your purposes? That's the constant bombarding message of the world. It's all about me. And we have to constantly guard our hearts Constantly refer back to the big picture that we're part of something bigger. We exist for him. He doesn't exist for us. Everyone here isn't here for me. I'm here for him. Yeah, good. Very good. 
So let me ask you this. If you're here for him, are you carrying weight? Whatever your part is, are you carrying weight? Are you just saying, hey, if somebody just bless me, take care of me? We were praying, let it rain. There's a moving of the Spirit taking place around the world. An increasing tide of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I've been praying for 40 some years. I'm seeing it happen. Now's the time. Let me ask you are you part of His purpose? Can He count on you? Can He put weight on you? As tens of thousands start coming into the church, can you help? Can you disciple? Can you care for? Will you go to other nations? Would you bow your head? The greatest privilege and the greatest thing that you can pour your life into is not your family. It's not your business. It's not your education. It's not your job. It's the kingdom of God. Some people started out, they saw the kingdom, they bought the field. They got into education because it was going to advance the kingdom. They started a business because it was God's way of advancing his kingdom. They got into some area and somehow we've lost the kingdom and we've got focused on the field. Your business is not your purpose in life. The kingdom is. Put the cornerstone back. Your job is not your purpose in life. The kingdom is. It facilitates you living so that you can be part of what he's doing, but don't allow the cornerstone to be taken away. Your education is not your purpose in life. It's a means to an end to open doors for the kingdom of God. Don't start tilling the the field and, and worrying about the field and the weeds. Get back to the value of the kingdom and serving him. Sorry, I'm still preaching. We were gonna pray. Lord, what an incredible, we can't comprehend the privilege the joy, as we sang, of knowing you, finding your joy, knowing you and being part of your purpose, that the sense of purpose and destiny for every single one of us. Lord, would that slipped away. Would you just make adjustments? The time is now. The outpouring of your spirit is beginning. The last days are upon us. And there's a huge harvest coming in. Lord, for every one of us, we say as Isaiah, here am I, send me. 
in this day, you're saying, who will go for me and whom can I send? Who will go for me? Who, who is not going for themselves? Who's going for me? And who, who can I send? And Lord, my response again today is, here am I. Send me. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.